0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, my beloved, the third week of the blessed month of Kiev. As you remember from as I mentioned last week, the four weeks of Kiech are divided and, uh, among the four. The first chapter of the Gospel of Saint Luke, and today's passage is the visitation of Saint Mary to Elizabeth, her cousin. And if you recall, what happened was once Saint Mary, uh, then she heard the annunciation from Archangel Gabriel that she would. Bear the Lord Jesus, and that Elizabeth, her cousin, is also with child and, uh, is in her, uh, uh, third or sixth month. She immediately left after this and went to Elizabeth, Elizabeth's house, and that's where we are, uh, today. So, and she spent three months with Elizabeth serving her. And as a pregnant woman, for the first three months are the most critical. So she's serving while she herself is pregnant, is in need of somebody perhaps to serve her as well. Um, And certainly during her journey and during her service there, you know, she became tired, uh, she maybe didn't feel good, but she continued to persevere and to serve her cousin Elizabeth. Um, There are many qualities, of course, in our mother, St. Mary, that she possesses, but I think there is one that she possesses uh, that is needed for our own spiritual growth and is worthy of reflecting on uh, this week and perhaps next week as well. And this is the virtue of resilience, to be resilient. Um, <clears throat> so we'll speak uh, today about the need for resilience, uh, especially in our society today, and our lives today. And God willing, next week we'll speak about the qualities uh, uh, found in resilient people. So if you look at the landscape, it seems like there's an ever-growing number of fragile children and adults in the world. Um, And this can be evident by many things, and I'll mention a few of them. For example, you'll find many people, they uh, avoid challenges, because there's perhaps a fear of failure or a lack of confidence. People tend to like to just stay in their comfort zone, and that's it. I'm comfortable where I am, and I don't want to explore anything out uh, or anything else um, and perhaps this could be because of you know certain pressures you know nowadays if you make a mistake everybody has a camera and has a phone and they take a video and they just post it online so now you live like people live their life with this fear of if I make a mistake somebody will catch it and this video will go viral and I'll be embarrassed and you know for the rest of my life. So say yeah, I won't take a risk let me just stay as I am and I'm not going to do anything you know, that might uh, jeopardize my uh, image and my reputation. So sometimes we avoid these challenges. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, we can see fragility and difficulty in handling criticism. You know, a fragile person is somebody who can't handle any criticism, even if it's positive criticism and delivered in a way to help a person. But we take it and become so sensitive that any small comment is something that's like a, such an offense to me. And there's a strong emotional response, and the person really meant to help them. Even if it comes from somebody, you know, who's in a position of authority, it can come from a boss who gives you like a review, it can come from your father of confession, giving you guidance, it can come from a parent who loves you. But we get so emotionally charged when somebody tells us anything negative. This is again, because perhaps we're too fragile. Um, an over-reliance on a- external validation. We need uh, There's a heightened need of approval from the people who are outside of us. Granted, there's a certain element of approval from our peers that's good and healthy. But what I'm referring to here is this over-reliance, where I care s- too much about what the people around me say, and I found my validation in only what the people think of me. Not what my family think of me, not what God thinks of me, not what I think of myself. But what do people think of me? and this drives my behavior. So this become make, make, make a fragile person. If everything I'm considering in my life is what the people think, then I'll walk around you know being very fragile. You know one person will say something to me and this will ruin my day because one person uh, disapproved of what I said or did. Also, um, you see fragility and in the inability to cope with certain stress, the stress of failure. Um, the, the peer pressure, of course, um, <clears throat> and rather than persisting in a certain task or a goal, this person is overcome by feelings of helplessness. I feel like I'm helpless and I can't. So what do they the fragile person revert to instead of persevering and going through it and getting something good on the end? The idea is just to quit, just quit. right? And this just quit attitude is again, it's it's very common. Uh, and we'll see it, uh, I'll mention it later as well. Also, we see fragility and the low tolerance of discomfort. Low tolerance of discomfort. You know, maybe nowadays, you know, or back in the day when we'd go somewhere, the first thing we'd think about, okay, is there a place to stay and is there food to eat in this place? Now maybe the first thing we ask about, because we've taken these two for granted, we ask, is there Wi-Fi access? Do I have cell phone signal there? You know, and if we don't, it's capsa. It's like a big deal, right? Again, where this, something like this makes us like, determine, okay, I'm not gonna to go to this church camp or go to this activity because I can't use my phone or I don't have any internet access. This low tolerance of discomfort. Um, we avoid situations, some, those who are fragile avoid situations that involve even mild discomfort or simply an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience for me the lack of independence or taking responsibility. Fragile people have a problem taking responsibility for their own lives and they'll rely so much on other people to do for them the things that they need. For example, you'll find maybe a patient who goes to a doctor and the doctor says, okay here's the medicine if you take it, you take it two or three times a day, if you take it you'll feel better in a couple of days. They go home and they take it once a day, they forget the next day, they take it one day and forget two days, and they come back the next week and say, Doctor, what you prescribed me didn't work. You're not a good doctor, and they leave maybe a negative review about the doctor because you prescribed medicine that doesn't work. You know, and then what's the question? Did you take the medicine as I said? No, I didn't. It's your problem because you didn't give me a medicine that I can take only once a day. This is the attitude, right? Where it's, you didn't make it easy enough for me where it's only like one thing. If you actually, if the doctor, if you can send me a message every morning to remind me, that would be great. This is the mentality. Where I want somebody to take charge of guiding me and holding my hand and spoon feeding me every day. This is the fragile person. Um, so what are some contributing factors uh, that we see to this fragility? Um, number one is the growing promotion of the self. The idolization of the self, the ego. And again, we see this all throughout the internet and, and online and social media and so on. And what's the purpose of this is to edify and glorify oneself and to promote oneself. How many likes can I get? Right? Can I get more than the person next to me? This is all meant to feed the ego. Uh, even the online entertainment, right? The whole system is built on what? Giving you immediate gratification. You know, back in the day when they first made games, in order for you to get any kind of like recognition, you'd have to complete the whole level, right? And this could take maybe a day or two, however long it took to complete the level, and then you might get like a little firecracker in the end. Now it's like there's checkpoints, you know, you take two steps and they give you a little heart. Or you take this person, you make this whatever, and then they give you some other feedback. So there's this instant gratification all the time. Because again, the center is about me and myself, Number two is, uh, uh, is laziness. Laziness. And you'll find again, everything's about things catering to me. Nowadays, if you want to go shopping, you don't go to the store and you buy it. Just go online, you order it and it'll be in your house in a couple of days. And now even it's grown to where, you know, we don't have to go grocery shopping. You know, we go grocery shopping online. The people pick it for us. All you do is just drive by like a drive-thru. I don't get out of my car. They put it in the car and I drive away. You can literally live your life just in your car you can go watch something in your car you can go get groceries in your car you can go through drive through to get dessert everything can be in your car so all you have to do is walk from the house to the car and now a lot of work is online so you do work and you eat and you drive you just take a few steps every day right? so the less that I do the more accustomed I get to becoming lazy <clears throat> also poor parenting um, can lead to, uh, fragility in children and young adults. Um, and you'll see this like, uh, again, something that's promoted, uh, nowadays is this, uh, idea of allowing the child to express themselves and their individuality. And we should do nothing to hinder a child's self-expression. Um, and some parents encourage, are encouraged to take the back seat. And you'll find some school systems, maybe not here yet, but perhaps it's coming will tell you, okay, the parents, it needs to be taken out and the school needs to be the one taking the charge of educating the child about their individuality and about themselves, not the parents or their uh, faith. And unfortunately, some parents do this. They take the back seat because it's easy, it's convenient, and somebody else is dealing with it and not me. So they take the back seat, and wherever, you know, society or the school takes their child, they will go along. This is the willing parent. There's also the unwilling parent. The unwilling parent will hear this and say, no, I want to take charge of my child's education and their growth and development, and I want to do it. But then what happens when we go home, we just stick them in front of a device. We give them an iPad, we give them an iPhone, and let them consume everything. This is the same thing. One is willing, and one is unwilling. Sometimes poor parenting can lead to this fragility uh, in our children and even in young adults. Also, the absence of a positive role model. Again, if as somebody who's in a leadership position, whether it's a parent or a servant or whatever it is, if I lead an example of somebody who's hardworking, then I leave this example for the future generation. But if I myself am lazy, I don't like to work, I don't like to do anything, even if I have the money to hire people to do everything around the house and everything that I can, again, this still isn't good for me physically. Right and mentally and spiritually, it's not good. Um, So, not having a positive role model or somebody who's a hard worker also can lead to the uh, fragility of this coming generation. And lastly, is technology. I just watched a a promotion about um, like some, or not a promotion, just like um, they're displaying some AI robot, Uh, and they were asking like this AI robot. um, AI is like artificial intelligence, in case you didn't know. Um, they asked this robot about, like, many things, and they asked one of the questions, like, um, do you want to, like, uh, hurt humanity? And the robot made these facial gestures and replied and said, no, I was programmed only to help, you know, humanity, where they need help. So if you think about it, you might say, oh yeah, this is good on the outside. Why? We can get, you know, make an AI robot to fold our laundry, to do our dishes, to, uh, mop the floor, to cut the grass, if we get these robots to do everything, what are we gonna do? We're gonna just shrivel away? You know? Again, is it really helpful? It's great technology, it looks uh, inter- interesting, but is it really helpful? Is it good for humanity? Is it good for me? Um, the result is we will do, we will spend less time doing things and we'll get used to doing less. <clears throat> Um, again, if you wanted to communicate something maybe like to a friend or to somebody, you would write them an email or you'd write them a text message. Now you have these like things like chat GPT where you just say, okay, write me a letter to so-and-so about so-and-so, and in a matter of seconds you have this letter and you can use this. And some people use this and they cheat on their exams and their tests using this kind of... Okay, then where's the art and the skill of communicating? This is going to go down the drain as well, right? this leads all to fragility and it's not just something in our secular lives outside but it can also be uh, it's affecting uh, in the church as well um, for example um, when it comes to like uh, uh church you know i don't like this in the church so the response will be okay then i'll stay home or i won't come at all because i don't like it um, or in, uh, if somebody's a servant a servant Again, if I'm a fragile servant, then as soon as there are hardship in the servant, I just say, the temptation is, okay, I'll just leave. Let me just leave. Right? Because maybe this is what I'm used to. Just being, you know, not enduring and not having this resilient spirit. If I don't like fasting, okay, then I don't fast. Or I'll stop fasting. Or if there's a party, a holiday party going on, then I'll just stop fasting because it's not convenient. Where's the resilience? St. Mary served Saint Elizabeth for three months while she was pregnant, but she was resilient and she continued. Um, resilience is defined as like the ability to face adversity and adapt and adjust, not to give up, overcome you know this is kind of, I think we all understand what it means, um, and to bounce back from any kind of setback. But the the idea of this resilience is, the common denominator is that there is going, there are going to be setbacks and trials in our life. And this is what the Lord told us. He told us in John 16, in the world you will have what? Tribulations. In the world you will have tribulations. Okay, what am I going to do in the face of these tribulations? Quit and, and crawl in a corner? Or am I going to be resilient and push through them? And also regarding our own and our Christian life, the Lord says, "And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." What's bearing this cross? Is it not hardship that needs to be faced with resilience? It is. If you look at the example of uh, like Joshua, um, who was coming to take the leadership of Israel after Moses, right, and very hard shoes to fill, and the Lord promised him and told him that no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And I will not leave you nor forsake you. If if, uh, Joshua heard this and said, you know what, these shoes are too big. I'm not even going to get in them. I'm not going to do it. Then what would happen? Would the children of Israel cross over into the promised land? No. He says, you know, okay, it's a daunting task to fill Moses' shoes, but with God's help and God's grace, I will do it. And he did it. And he did it. If you look at Joseph, you know, uh, the righteous. It seemed like he went from hardship to hardship. His brothers didn't like him, then they threw him in the well, then he was sold as a slave, then he went to Potiphar's house, falsely accused, went to prison. Just hardship after hardship. But what was the end? Because of his resilience and his endurance, he saw at the end his salvation the salvation of his people, and all the people in the region, actually. Our fathers, the apostles, in Acts chapter 5, they were thrown in prison. You know, by the Jews, and then, uh, they were kind of deciding what to do with them, and Gamaliel, one of the head teachers, said, okay, if they're from God, leave them. Because we don't want to go against God. But if they're not from God, their own, you know, they will fall. You know, just like others have done in the past. And then it says what? It says, uh, and they agreed with him, with Gamaliel, the, the, the high priest, and when they had called for the apostles and beat them, they commanded them that they should not speak of the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council. Did they depart crying and weeping and saying, Okay, we we spoke about the Lord Jesus and we were beaten for it, let's just not speak about him anymore. Is that what they did? Look what it says. They rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They looked at it as a blessing. They said, You know what? If this is what it takes to find favor with God and to this kind of and experience this kind of joy. But let's go back and do it again. And they did. And this is how the church thrived in the beginning. Because these, these resilient apostles. right? They didn't give up in the face of hardship and tribulation. Listen to what St. Paul says to the Hebrews. He says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When you think about an athlete running with endurance, we don't think of somebody who's not resilient. We don't think of someone who's fragile. But We think of someone who worked hard and was determined for years, you know, and working at it to accomplish this kind of feat. Quickly here, where in our life and what areas in our life do we need to be resilient? I'll mention three and I'll leave you to think about the rest. In our faith, we will face faith, we will face many challenging ideas to our faith, whether it comes from like atheism and doubting God, or whether it comes from, again, the, the, the postmodern ideas that we have in our society today, like, you know, the truth is up to you to determine, it's not up to anybody else, but you determine your own truth and what's right and what's wrong. Um, and now it's like your ego is the source of your happiness, yourself. You determine what makes you happy, so you do it. You do drugs, that makes you happy. Do it, you do this, it makes you happy. The idea is of what is to idolize the self. Do whatever makes you happy and content, as if those things will give you contentment or happiness. It's just a mirage. It'll disappear when you get there. Other religions also, they promote the self. For example, in Mormonism, they promote that one day you can become a god. In Islam, they, they tell you and they say, you know, um, you'll be rewarded in heaven, the earthly pleasure that you were deprived of. So all these different ideologies and religions that promote the self, uh, they challenge one's faith. Even now, there are modern heresies within the traditional Orthodox churches or traditional churches saying that, you know what, at the end of the day, everyone will experience God's mercy and love and everyone's going to go to heaven. What about, what, what did the Lord say about the condemnation, the weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and there is hell and there's a heaven and why, why all this? Why even come and be crucified if everyone's gonna go to heaven? So this undermines the whole faith altogether. But you had to have people teaching this, right? We need to be resilient in our, uh, in the truth and authenticity of our Orthodox, precious Orthodox faith. It will be challenged, but we need to be resilient. Number two, we need to be resilient in our spiritual discipline. In prayers, for example, you'll get the wars of exhaustion. You feel tired. You feel maybe, oh, I'm sick. I don't feel well, so I'm not going to pray. I keep getting distracted, so just let me not pray. I don't like fighting, you know, uh, in these kind of uh, spiritual warfare. You need to build your resilience. In fasting, we'll make excuses. Okay, it's time for fasting. This will be the only time that your stomach begins to hurt, and you get cramps, or perhaps you never had cramps before. It's all because I'm fasting, so I shouldn't fast. Um, uh, or fear of weakness. You know, if I fast and my body's gonna get weak and those who are maybe exercising are going to do, I'm not gonna be able to build muscle if I, you know, if I eat this fasting food. Again, where's the resilience? Where's the resilience? Um, <clears throat> attending uh, and participating in church services. Again, it's, we'll say what the common phrase is, it's boring. Again, church isn't meant to be fun. It's not meant to be an entertaining place. It's meant to be a place where you meet God, where you pray. Right? It's not a place where we're entertained. There are certain places to be entertained and church isn't one of them. So we should come planning on not being entertained. Right? Um, it's a place of worship. If you remember, when the Lord went into the temple, when He rebuked the, the buying and selling the temple, He told them what? My father's house is a ha- house of prayer and you made it what? A den of thieves. This was back then. I wonder if He came to the, today. He says, my house is a house of prayer and you made it a den of entertainment. I fear that he if He comes and He finds this, if we're all on people on our phones in His house and all of this, He'll come and rebuke us because you've made my house a house of entertainment and not a house of worship and praise. It's not about me when I come to worship. It's about God when I come to worship. Lastly, in service, if we serve the Lord in our communities, and our families, we will certainly be faced with certain challenges and disagreements. And at times we'll be tempted to quit and to leave these challenges Am I? We ask ourselves. We should ask ourselves: Am I easily willing to accept failure in my life as a, or uh, as an option when it comes to my home? Am I willing to accept? I am mean, easily accept a failed marriage because I disagree with my wife about something and I don't want to fight anymore, so I'll just leave. Same thing with my children. Uh, and a particular service again, as I mentioned, if I serve in the church or serve in any capacity and I face some hardship or difficulty. Do I just quit because there's a challenge? Or do I become resilient and face the challenge and rise up? Um, And my work. You know, there are some, like, because of a certain challenge in their work, they quit their work, the only source of income and sustenance for the family, before they find another job. Why? Because somebody told me a word that I didn't like. Where's the resilience? Where's the resilience? We ought not to be fragile Christians and fragile individuals. God willing, next week we'll speak about um, some qualities found in resilient people. But from now until then, let's ruminate and think about this idea of resilience and how perhaps we need to make a change in our life. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.